I am very introverted. So even doing things like this, it just makes me so nervous. You know, I just want to stay in my little bubble, but growth doesn't come from that. So you have to have to say yes to be able to grow. You just heard a small clip from today's episode where we talk all things growth and what it looks like to say yes before you feel ready. Welcome to the Conquering Chaos Podcast. I'm Erin E. Hooley, executive coach, speaker, and serial entrepreneur, as well as mother of six. And this is the ultimate hangout where I share all the juicy details behind building two multi-million dollar e-commerce businesses, Bailey's Blossoms and Peyton Bree. If you're looking to launch yourself to the next level in your personal and professional growth journey, you're in the right place. Grab a pen and paper because we're about to redefine what success looks like. Hey guys, I am so excited about today's guest because not only is she one of my dearest friends, but she is a complete creative inspiration. If you don't already follow Paige Evans on social, you're in for a real treat. She's seriously a scrapbooking genius. She has nine signature collections with Pink Paisley, somewhere in the ballpark of a thousand cut files with Silhouette, and has taught classes all over the world. And on top of that, she is the mother to two adorable kids, Fox and Jane. So Paige, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. It's a great opportunity and excuse to catch up a bit. Now, I want to get straight into your story. So for those who are not familiar with you, would you mind giving a little bit of backstory as to who you are and how you got your start? You bet. Okay, so the very first time that I was introduced to scrapbooking was through Melanie Lefebvre. Do you remember her? Oh my gosh, I totally remember her. Yes. (laughs) had all these girls over to her house probably 12 years old, and we scrapbooked. And that was the very first time I heard of scrapbooking. That is so crazy. Right? Small world. Um, And then fast forward to when I was 16, my parents said, you need to get a job. And I was like, okay, because whatever your parents say, you do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's how I remember our childhood. (laughs) I know. so I get, I just, I wanted my own money. Right. And so we, we went down to a strip mall in Redmond and picked up a bunch of applications from like a Safeway grocery store, from a party store. And then we walked into a scrapbooking store and I kind of rolled my eyes because I just thought that was kind of corny and cheesy. And, <laughs> and um, they didn't even have an application. They just wrote down my name and phone number. Then I got a call for the call from them to come in and do an interview. And when I was interviewing, I noticed she was wearing a CTR ring. Okay. Right? Um, and that's just, it means choose the right. So I knew that we were from the same religion. And so I was just like, oh, you know, what ward are you in? So we just kind of got chatting about that. And I don't know if that's what got me the job or anything, or if it was just my sunshiny personality, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember the first time I put pictures and stickers together on paper, I was hooked. (laughs) Mm, That's awesome. Just for the listener's sake, Paige and I met in, well, goodness, it was late elementary. And then we went through all of middle school together. And then we parted ways because I moved for high school, but this was in Washington State. So that that's the time frame that that we're kind of, you know, going back towards. Now, obviously, a lot of things have changed, but I love to look back and consider all of these things that we've created 
in the midst of young motherhood. I know that your kids are getting a little older, they're in school now, which changes the whole ballpark of what you can and can't get done in any specific day. You know, you've got a big chunk of time that just for yourself to be able to get all the things done. But it wasn't too long ago when that wasn't the case. How did you start to develop everything and get to the point where you are now in tandem with young motherhood? So when they were babies, I just lived for naps. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I know, right? And I coordinated their naps to be at the same time. So I had two to three hours every day. And during those two to three hours, man, I would just crank things out and go, go, go. And then as soon as they went to bed, I would work as well. Um, And then my husband, he was also just such a big help when they were babies. You know, he would go to school and he wouldn't stay extra time at school. As As soon as he was done with classes, he would come home and take over and let me work. So I do give him a lot of credit for being able to simultaneously work and be a mom at the same time. Yeah. And support you. That's huge. Yeah. There's so many people that don't have that, that luxury. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've learned to really, really not take for granted because I had the same type of a situation with Brandon where I would burn it through through nap time and then burn both ends of the candle early morning when the kids are still sleeping, late at night when the kids went to bed, and he was nothing but supportive through all of that, which was huge for me. Right. So, yay for husbands. Yeah, <laughs> yay for husbands. Well, there's also another similarity in our stories because we also, in in return, have also been very supporting wives to our husbands' careers, which have taken both of us internationally. I went to Brazil. You were in Germany. So what did that look like? Did you have to put your career on hold to be able to do that? Or how did you maintain and grow this passion during that time? Yeah, you know what's crazy is I, I feel like it grew even more when we were living abroad. So um, I'll just explain real quick why we were there. My husband went to dental school on a U.S. Army scholarship. So they paid for four years of school. So therefore, we owed the Army four years of service. And we wanted to go abroad. So that was our top choice was anywhere in Europe. And we got it. We were able to go to Germany. So we were there for four years. And while we were living there, all of the scrapbooking stores that were in Germany and in Europe were like, oh my goodness, you know, Paige is here. This is a great opportunity to have her come and teach. And so whenever I was invited, I tried to say yes. So that was a really great opportunity. And it was while we were living in Germany that I was able to start doing my own collections with Pink Paisley, which is based in Utah. So it was just awesome that even being thousands and thousands of miles away, I was still able to work from home and continue to do what I love. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you touched on that you like to say yes, because I think that sometimes our fear can kind of trap us in a corner a little bit and make us want to second guess ourselves or not do things that are unfamiliar to us. And so obviously going international is a huge, you can't get more unfamiliar than that. You're stepping out of everything that you know culturally, language is different, people are different, food is different. And so obviously that's like the refiner's fire for learning to be uncomfortable and to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Have you always been the type of person that has said yes or has this been something that you've grown into? Oh, can I, can I even tell you right now that I am, I am like so nervous as we speak. (laughs) I just, I am very 
introverted. And so even doing things like this, it just makes me so nervous. You know, I just want to stay in my little bubble, but growth doesn't come from that. So you have to have to say yes to be able to grow. Yes. I just, I try to say yes as often as I can, but there are definitely times when you do need to say no. Um, For example, I've been asked to teach a lot internationally, like in South America. Mm -hmm. It probably was a time when I would say yes, but now that the kids are in school and my husband has to be at work, um, I've just had to say no more often. But I still try and say yes as often as I can. You have to protect the life that you've created and that balance that you've created, which works for you and your family. But ultimately, there's a difference between saying no to protect that balance and what you have created versus saying no because you're afraid of an opportunity and and what i'm hearing from you is is it's not the latter which is a completely different thing so one of the things that i love is just the concept of saying yes before you think that you're ready do you have any examples of and obviously you just shared one with the podcast but do you (laughs) have any other examples of where you stepped into who you were by saying yes even though you didn't feel like you were ready for that step probably when it comes to being invited to film classes so I have done well the class it was called craftsy but now it's blueprint so when I was living in Germany they invited me to come out to Denver to film classes and it's one thing to film your hands for YouTube videos. Yes. Whole other thing to be on camera, done up, makeup, hair, clothes, all of that. So saying yes to that because I knew it was a great opportunity, but also being scared out of my mind because I'd never done something like that before. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's funny. One of the things that I joke about all the time in my company is I can only do live video. And the reason that I can only do live video is because I'm such a klutz and I stutter and I stammer with my words and I get nervous and I get goofy and immature. And on live video, you just have to roll with it. You can't pick yourself apart. Whereas when it's pre-recorded, I'm constantly like, oh, let's stop. Let's try that again. Oh, let's stop. Let's try that again. And I'll shoot the same stupid thing a hundred times. And it drives me crazy. So I prefer to show up and be a little bit clumsy and messy because then I don't rip myself to shreds over trying to be a perfectionistic version of whoever I am. Oh, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Okay, so I actually recently just watched a video, a YouTube video of your craft room tour, which is so cool. Congratulations. It's gorgeous. So I want to hear all the things about your creative process. So it was a long time coming. Finally have a dedicated uh, space where I could craft our very first apartment. We did actually have a, a guest room where I had all my crafty stuff. But then eventually... Um, when we moved to California, we started, we had our babies. And so the craft room turned into the nursery. And so I would just work at the kitchen table and make a mess and then clean it off for dinners and such. And then finally, when we moved back to the States and we bought our first house, one of the requirements was has to have a room for my office. And so awesome. one of the first things I did was paint this room to be my favorite color. Because I feel like when you're surrounded by colors and things that inspire you, your creativity will blossom. Yes. Um, Yes. So um, I get asked a lot 
how do you stay creative? And I think that's just one of those things is the more it's, there's a quote, the more creativity you have, the more it continues or anyway, I know I'm butchering that, but it's just by continuing to make things and keep creating the ideas will keep coming. Like you're working on something and then you're like, Oh, I can use this in a different way. Let's talk about creative roadblocks a little bit. Cause I could imagine with how intensely creative all of the things that you do are, I'm assuming that you're human and at some point you're going, crap, what do I do? <laughs> so what do you do when you when you hit those moments and those roadblocks? How do you get past them? Yep, I switch gears. So if I'm working on layouts, so 12 by 12 projects, and I get sick of those, I'll switch to creating cards or creating little mini scrapbooks. Or maybe I'm just sick of making things all together. So then I'll switch to doing administrative work. So Mm. things on the computer and then searching through Pinterest, I'll see something that will inspire me. So there's lots of different ways. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So obviously you do a lot of creative development and you do a lot of teaching. Which of those avenues has your heart more? Again, because I'm an introvert, probably just staying at home and creating. But when I'm teaching, when I'm there in the midst of it, surrounded by the people who love it, it really is fuel for my fire, you know? So it's just the act of saying yes, booking the flights and the hotels and then getting there. I love that. And and I want to touch on the fact that because you've mentioned being an introvert a couple times, and I know so many very successful entrepreneurs who are the same and they do struggle with getting themselves out there. So the fact that you do anyways is to be so greatly admired. So I want to understand for all of those who are listening, who feel like who are resonating with this, what are the things that you do that help you step out as someone who has more introverted tendencies? You just got to, um, push through it. You know, I guess I've done it enough times to know that once it's all over, it's really not a big deal. So I just psych myself up and 99% of the time it's for no reason, you know? Okay. Funny story. So Bailey just had her 14th birthday, which is very weird. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. And (laughs) I know it's so weird. So she wanted, we always go ice skating for during Christmas time. And every year I mean, we go once a year and every single year she says, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to, I want to get ice skates. I want to take lessons. And finally this year I thought, you know, maybe I'll actually do that. So I did. I got her some ice skates and I actually, I love ice skating, even though I'm not very good at it, but I got myself some ice skates and then I bought some lessons for her to be able to, to be taught how to do all this fun stuff that she has dreamed up in her head. So we went last Friday was the first time and we show up to the rink and it's a private lesson. So I'm thinking like it's going to be us and this woman on the ice. No, no. It was us and this woman and every child on the planet who plays ice hockey and figure skates. And they're all, I mean, they're flipping around there. I mean, they were so talented and I'm like, oh my gosh. And all their parents are sitting in the stands watching and we're supposed to go to the center of the ice to have this stupid, you know, lesson. 
And I kind of having this internal panic moment where my pride is going, okay, first of all, I wish I didn't have white ice skates because I look like I'm wearing skates that I should know how to, to maneuver in, right? So there was that. And, and then, you know, now I'm going to go in the middle of all of these children and youth as an adult and have a lesson like somebody who's having a midlife crisis. <laughs> and so I kind of sheepishly hung my head and I'm going, oh my gosh, maybe I'll just tell her to do the lesson and I'll sit on the side. And I legitimately almost did that. I was very, very close. But then I thought to myself, no, there's a symbol in this and I should step out and who cares? I don't even know these people. I'm never going to see them again. Worst case scenario, I fall flat on my face. They giggle a little bit. They catch it on, you know, some of one of their phones and they post it on social media. What's the, I mean, come on, what's going to happen? <laughs> So ultimately, I swallowed my pride and I'm like, you know what? Hold your head up high. We're doing this for fun. We're just going to do it. Who cares what everybody thinks? And so we skated in. We had our little lesson. It was a blast. And (laughs) afterwards, I'm taking the skates off and this little like seven or eight-year-old girl comes up to me and she goes, great job on your lesson. And I'm like, thank you. I'm so, and it was just one of those situations where I kind of had to sit back and smile and be like, you know what? To heck with it. Just to heck with it. Who cares? It was a fun time. And ultimately when you start out on anything and you feel inadequate or you feel less than perfectly confident, everybody's got to start somewhere. And just being willing to step out and do it creates that momentum and if it makes you happy then just do it who cares how you look who cares about the worst case potential scenario that may or may not happen that's a good nugget good piece oh my gosh okay so i want to know what is your greatest struggle as an entrepreneur and how do you overcome it i think my greatest struggle still is just balance Mm -hmm. now that i have seven or eight hours to myself i tend to find myself being a workaholic and, you know, I need to be able to turn it on and turn it off. So that's something that I'm still working on. And do you find it hard to turn it off because it's something that you genuinely love? Yes. Yes. And because I work from home too. Yes. You know, right here. If I get an email, I'll just really quickly run into my office, but then that email turns into 10 emails or then you hop on Pinterest and it's a never ending scroll, Uh right? going forever. So yeah, I know. And that's one of the biggest struggles that that I find as well, where when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. But then at the end of the day, when you've spent 12 hours doing that, and maybe weren't as present with your kids as you should have been, that's when all that guilt kind of sets in, you're going, dang it, I should have reprioritized a little bit, or I should have shown them that a different side or a different version and not just the work version for me. Because while I love it, I have to remember that my kids aren't quite as passionate about what I do. So what would you say is your biggest strength as an entrepreneur? Um, I guess for me personally, is just being organized. Yeah. You know, I, I swear by my Google calendar, it's where I keep track of everything. You don't have a paper calendar? No. I'm shocked. I am I know, shocked. Right? I have a paper calendar and I don't even scrapbook. <laughs> That's funny. I love technology, I guess. In that I love regard. technology, but I love checking something off a list. And I just love just crossing it out with a nice pencil or, pa- or a pen. And it makes me yeah. feel very accomplished. I totally get that. But mine's just the digital version yes, of exactly. delete. 
<laughs> all gone. So if you could go back, and obviously when I think back to my beginning years, which were, you know, 10 plus years ago at this point, there's so much that I thought I understood that I clearly didn't. And if I could go back, there's a myriad of different advice that I would give to myself just starting out. So what would you say to yourself 10 years ago? I would probably just encourage myself that everything is okay. You know, you have good days and you have bad days. And in between, you have okay days. And just to try and be present and realize that every day is a gift, you know, so. Absolutely. And then with that, what is what would you say is your definition of success? Whatever makes you happy. Um, you know, I, I have goals and things I'm working towards, but ultimately if those things like bring me down or if they make me feel bad, that's not success. I want success to be something that brings me joy, makes me happy. So obviously you have your own version of chaos. What, how do you conquer that? So we have more pets than we do that's right you are an avid animal person so we have like a dog cat bunny guinea pig so every day every day i'm woken up by the thumping of the rabbit who wants to get fed the dog who's barking wants to go out to go potty (laughs) the the cat she the cat is the first one you know how she wakes me up she licks the wall and cat's tongue's rough yeah so it's like sandpaper Anyway, so my mornings oh always my gosh. start off not being woken up by the kids. The kids are great, but all the animals. So I had to take I take care hilarious. of the animals. <laughs> take care of all the animals, and then I get in a half hour of exercise, and then the kids wake up, get them all ready for school. So every day is very um, organized, like mm-hmm. on schedule, mm-hmm. and just ticking things off, you know, which for somebody as creative as you are kind of blows my mind because most people who are true creatives are a hot mess. (laughs) I mean, everything that you create is so beautiful. The colors and the, just all the prints and the way that you match things up. It feels like you're looking into a kaleidoscope. Talk to me about the creative process for you to be able to create those things. Where do you get your inspiration from? You know, I am not very good with my words when it comes to writing or even speaking. So I just feel like art is not only it's like my therapy, but it's also how I put myself out there and how I show my emotions and my feelings. And so I'm inspired by just the things I see Where, wherever it may be. It can be while we're out and about It can be flipping through a magazine. It can be on the computer, on scrolling through Instagram. You know, I just see things and I don't know how to explain it, but. No, it makes perfect sense. I actually watched a video recently. Simon Sinek was talking about the different parts of your brain and how the feeling part of your brain is not responsible for language. That's why people will say things like, I don't know, it just feels right or it just feels wrong or it just feels good, but they can't put any additional context as to why that is. And so that's what kind of what I'm hearing you say where where you feel very deeply, but you experience those feelings in such a visual context that it's hard, of course, because of the part of the brain that you're tapping into to put that into verbal context. 
I seriously have chills because that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to send you the video because it, it really is, it's really quite incredible. And what he's talking about is leading with your why. And ultimately, that's what you've done through your entire creative process is to craft exactly what you want your life to look like through that feeling and that emotion and that that love for what you do. So it's just remarkable and I love that you've been able to create that. What, what advice would you give to other people who are looking to craft or create their ideal situation? Take a little bit of time every day to create and put yourself out there, even if it's uncomfortable, letting the people see what you do because you never know who you are inspiring. I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, so obviously for everybody who is just dying to connect with you, where can they find more of you? So I try and go by Paige Taylor Evans. So you can find me that way on Instagram. That's also my website name and Facebook. Um, Pinterest, I think I don't have the Taylor in there. It's just Paige Evans. Awesome. Well, thank you. And truly it is visual eye candy. So thank you for all that you put out into the world. While I am not a scrapbooker, I do live vicariously through your talents. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at (laughs) you. Thank you so much, Paige. It was awesome chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on the Conquering Chaos podcast. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. So take a quick screenshot and tag me on social at Erin Hooley or leave me a review so I can share the love. Thanks again. I hope you're leaving feeling empowered to get out there and conquer some chaos.